down in my heart, where down in my heart, I've got that joy, 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 down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And if the devil doesn't like it, they, he can, yeah, <laughs> I got some church people in here. Sit on attack, that's it, right? I mean, it's the devil, you know? It's like, I guess, but, you know, we got to be nice even to the devil with our kids. But I think it should be like, if the devil doesn't like it, we should, you know, and like take out a machine gun or something, but shoot him in the face. No, I, that's probably not. That's probably not okay. I mean, it's kids, right? It's kids. We had sit on attack is appropriate, I guess. Like, it's some deep, that's some, there's some deep spiritual lyrics back in the songs back in the day. Where wasn't there? If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. That's right. Okay. So we're talking about joyful living today. And, uh, and that's why I'm up here and I'm having fun. I'm excited. And I had Griffin help me in the video uh, joyful living. Let me just say this. Do not confuse the topic today with something that is not spiritual. Because this is one of the most spiritual things in the world. This is one of the most spiritual, deep things that God wants for his people. He wants us to, to live joyful lives. He wants us to have joy. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. I, even if you said amen, you don't believe it. I'm going to try by the end of this message to convince you that joy is a spiritual thing and that God desires this for all of our lives. Um, I figured I would start off by, by just kind of testing the crowd. I, I have this, this story that I tell, and some people think it's great. Some people think it's not great, but I'm going to try it out on you guys. And this is just because I want us to be joyful today. I want us to, 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 to be happy. I want us to smile because God wants us to smile, and he doesn't want us just to pretend like everything's okay, but he wants us to enjoy life. And that's why he said he came not to condemn, but to give life and to give life abundant. And that abundant life means the fruit of the Spirit are active in your life, and the first of the fruit is joy. So I'm tell this story. So many of you might know this story, but you may have heard it a little differently. So Jesus, uh, he's, he's with a bunch of people, and, uh, and they, these religious people bring to Jesus this woman that was caught in adultery. And so she comes and, and, uh, and, and they're all like, we, we need to stone her because she's been really bad and she's a terrible person. And so Jesus, many of you know, he said to the crowd of people, he said, okay, we'll stone her, but whoever does not have any sin cast the first stone. 
And all of a sudden, out of the crowd, this rock goes flying through the air, through the air and plunks her right on the head. And Jesus says, Mom. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, if that is, I may never get to preach again after this, after this, after, after what we do here today, but I'm going out with a bang. So uh, the other thing, one other thing I want that I think will bring some joy or, or at least bring up some joy in your life is something that I've seen that I witnessed lately. And it was revealed at our 80s Dream Team Appreciation Night. But some of you didn't get to see it. So I want to show you a little clip. Hopefully it'll help to establish some joy in this room. We need joy in this room this morning. So watch this clip here. This is our pastor, Pastor Ryan. Yes. Yes. That's the, I mean, that's the kind of pastor I want to be a part of his church, right? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, good stuff right there. Uh, the best part of that video is, th- is that he did that late at night alone in here with a, gre- a green screen. I mean, alone. Like, he, no one helped him. He did that all by himself. Like, imagine walking in on that. Hey, pastor, I need some prayer. Whoa. I'll let you be. Yeah, you... You do your thing, whatever that thing is. Whew. So we're talking, we're talking about joyful living here, and uh, it's a deeply spiritual thing. Our tagline for this value, by the way, we're in a series, we're talking about our five values. If you've missed any of the last three, go back and watch them online. I promise you'll get a lot out of them. These are the things that guide us as a church. They're the important things to our church. It doesn't make us any better than any other church. Um, but these are the things that we really want to stand on. These are the things that are important to us. And one of them happens to be joyful living. Uh, the first time I ever came to this church, I saw it. I saw there was something different here. People were joyful. They were cheerful. They were, they were engaging. They were friendly. And I think that's a really good thing. Because when I see somebody that's always like this, like, you know, Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, and he's just like, well, I guess I got to get up today, you know, and it's like, it's like, whoa, hold on. Like, if you're a, if you're a Christian, if you, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then the fruit of the Spirit are there too. And that's joy and peace and love and, and, and excitement in your life. It doesn't mean that everything's just okay in our lives. It doesn't mean that we, we don't go through difficult things. But it does mean that when we go through difficult things, we have something that can't be taken away from us, and that is joy. Amen? All right. I like amen, so if you, if you like what I'm saying or what the Bible's saying, say amen, and, and we'll be all right with it. Uh, so in, Jesus, Jesus tells us something the day before he is crucified in John chapter 16, and I want to read it to you because this is something that, that Jesus 
right before he left this earth, he talked to his disciples and he said, listen, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And here's what the Holy Spirit is going to give you. This is a gift that nothing and no one can take away. So in John chapter 16, starting with verse 20, it says this. And remember, Jesus knows he's going away. It's going to be a tough time for these disciples because their best friend, their, their, their leader, their Messiah, their Savior is being taken away from them. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. If you are a follower of Christ, you have joy, and no one can take it away. It's an incredible, beautiful thing. Then in verse 24, ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So the word complete also is your joy will be full. Like it'll be, there's this fullness that that we get to see here. And it's not just a feeling. It's not just something that comes and goes. It's not something that's just there when things are good. It's, it's really more like a person. They're always there, and they're always there for you. The person of the Holy Spirit is in our lives all the time, not just when things are good. But let me tell you this, even more evident when times aren't good. Because it's like darkness, you see light even brighter. In bad times, you see joy even more clearly because it's like, hold on, why... When I'm going through this, I still feel this thing inside of me. It's because it's a powerful, wonderful thing that God gave us. And he wasn't willing to leave this earth until, he was in, until we were able to receive this. And then we see in James chapter 1, what I'm talking about here, starting with verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. Let it grow. Don't hold it back anymore. Let it grow. Let it grow. The election didn't bother me anyway. All right, thank you. All right. You know, I love that it said, let it grow there. And, And the first time I ever read this, I started singing that song. So there we go. When your endurance is fully developed... You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Isn't that great? You'll be perfect and you'll be complete. That doesn't mean like circumstances will be perfect in your life, but you will be perfect. You will have what you need. You will have what God has given you. You won't need anything. There will still be things we walk through, but the joy will always remain. Why am I the one talking about this? I'm the one talking about this because as we are going through the values, and, and Ryan said, are there any of you that would want to share on one of these? I instantly said, I want to share on joyful living. Not because my life is always just full of joy. And by the way, Amy made, made sure that I, that I made a disclaimer that our family isn't always perfect. And it's not always full of just happiness and everything great. I know on Facebook it looks like that, right? Because we rarely take pictures of our fights. You know what I mean? Like, the camera's just usually not ready to snap during those times. You know, they may be flying through the room or something. But the reality is, is when everybody's happy, that's when you snap the pictures, right? So don't be fooled by our Facebook page. 
please. Our family does not have it all together. In fact, we would be super embarrassed if, if, if there was hidden cameras and you got to watch our family because we have our difficulties. But the one thing that we do have in our family is joy. It's there. We see it come. We see it present at all times, but we see that we need to rely on it sometimes more than others because there's difficult stuff in this life. But here's the main reason why I want to talk about this. I grew up with, with what I believe was a front row seat to joyful living. You see, I grew up in another country. My parents were missionaries. And I grew up uh, not, our family didn't have much. And we certainly, the people that we were around, the, the people that we ministered to had way less than we even did. But throughout that, there was one thing that I just saw constantly and, and consistently in my life, and that was joy. Of course, I got to live in the same house with Sharon Pummel, too. A woman full of joy and, and, and life. And there she is right there, everybody. Joy. Her name should have been Joy. Joy Pummel, but it's Sharon. That's good enough. But, but in all seriousness, my parents, they, there, was, there was something that we didn't maybe, we didn't see, we didn't get to grow up with a lot of money and a lot of exciting, cool stuff or nice cars or any of that kind of stuff. But we did, got, we did get to see joy and we, get to, we got to see the fullness of it in, in our lives, but also in the, in the lives of the people around us. I, I remember so many different situations where we would be at a church out in the middle of the country and we would get there by car, but then we would see families walk an hour, two hours, three hours to get to that church, sometimes in the rain. And when they'd show up and they're completely drenched, they take off their jackets and they're like, ah, oh, we're here, gloria a Dios. And it was like, whoa, you just walked through the rain. How can you be so happy? And they're like, oh, we're in the house of the Lord. Nothing makes us more happy than to come to church on Sunday morning. And you're just like, whoa, this doesn't completely make sense. Like, you should be sad. You know, we always think about that, don't we? We think about people in other countries, and they don't have as much. We're like, oh, we just, they're probably super sad. Let me tell you a reality, okay? I've traveled all over the world. I've lived in, in another country. And, and there's more joy in a lot of other parts of the world that don't have even a, a tenth or, a, a, or, or just a micro, what, I don't know how to say it, but just a small amount of what we have and yet the one thing that they do possess that's alive and evident in their lives is this joy. And it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see that. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I got to see that. I got to see a lot of that growing up. And, and I, I think if there's one thing that, that, I, that I get in life or that kind of makes sense to me, because not everything does, certainly, but this whole idea of joyful living, it kind of makes sense to me because I feel like God's allowed me to see a lot of it and I, and I strive for it. So I have a best friend. His name's Stephen. Any of you have a best friend? Uh, you know Steve. Yeah, Lord knows Stephen. You're going to like this story because you know Stephen. So my best friend, Stephen, I met him when I was like seven years old when we were on furlough back from, from Chile. And I was just drawn to him. We both were goofy and like awkward at seven years old and but but there was something about him that was just so joyful and so we just became we just became best friends and we we're always doing crazy stuff and so we remained friends all all growing up and so we went to college together in California and became roommates in college and uh, this one thing happened this one night and this is just a story of of joy kind of emerging in the middle of something difficult so in the middle of the night I woke up really sick to my stomach and I knew I was going to throw up. And so I run the restroom and I start throwing up. And I, I'm sorry, this is a little bit graphic, but you'll appreciate this story. 
So I start throwing up, and, and man, I am sick as a dog, and it is just the violent vomiting, so violent that my mouth gets stuck wide open. I have this socket, you know, and, and when your mouth goes too wide, it comes out, and you can't get it back in. So I'm in the restroom like, Ugh! I'm like yanking on my jaws trying to get my mouth to shut. True story. And so I don't know what to do. You can't really swallow. You can't talk when your mouth is stuck wide open. And so all I, all I think about is I have a best friend. I need his help. So I walk in the room and I go over to Steve and it's, in, it's like 2 a.m. and he's sleeping. And I start shaking him, but I'm like this. I have drool and throw up coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, no joke. This is exactly how it happened. Now he wakes up and he freaks because he thinks his best friend had something crazy happen to him in the middle of the night where mentally he just went crazy. And so he, he wakes up and he's like, and he's freaking out. And I'm like, he's like, it's this crazy scene. And I'm not exaggerating at all. If he was here, he would tell you this is the true story. And so finally, I realize I'm getting nowhere. We're getting nowhere. So I go over and I write on a piece of paper and I explain to him, my, my mouth is stuck open. I can't shut it. I'm throwing up. I need you to take me to the emergency room. So he gets up and finally he's like, he's just disoriented. But we finally get in the car. Once we get in the car, we are so we, 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 we find this situation so comical because here I'm picturing his face and it's like, oh, and he's picturing my face with drool and throw up. And so we start laughing. We laugh the entire way. Now laughing with your mouth stuck open is not a good experience. Now, listen, this was a crazy situation, but by the time we get to the emergency room, we, our stomachs hurt from laughing. I throw up again. We go in, and, and listen, if, you ever, if we ever have time to continue the story, you would love the ending of the story, but we don't have time for it here, nor is it appropriate in the house of the Lord. So, moving right along. But listen, I think of that story, and I thought about it this week, because my, my friend was put in my life for a reason, and, and we, we brought each other joy, and, and the joy of the Lord was, was in our relationship, and that night, that was a tough situation. There's no reason why I should have been laughing on the way to the emergency room, but we just found that joy that was there in the middle of something difficult, and I just believe that that's the way joy works. You see, the Bible talks about joy being produced in suffering, and that in suffering, that suffering produces character and perseverance and hope. And that joy is a result. Paul says, I rejoice in my suffering because it produces all of these things in my life. So, so one thing is that, that, that joy is, is literally produced when we're going through difficult things. But I believe just as much joy is recognized in difficult times. Because the joy, Jesus didn't say that I'm going to just give you joy and it's going to pop up every once in a while. Jesus says, I'm giving you this joy, and no one's going to be able to take it away. You're going to be throwing up and looking at your best friend, and it's going to be there. It's going to be there in the good times. It's going to be there in the bad. I believe it's there in the good times to keep us humble and keep perspective of who God is, to always stay grateful that he is who he is. But it's also there in the bad and the difficult times to show us that we are going to be okay. And that God is bigger, that he has overcome this world. He said that there's going to be difficulties, but he has overcome this world. And we're not of this world. We're just here for a short time. And while we're here, he wants us to have this joy. So three things I want to share with you today. It's in your notes. 
Um, and these are just powerful truths from the Bible, and I want us all to, to, to really grasp these and write them down and let them sink into our hearts. The first one is joy belongs to the grateful. Joy belongs to the grateful, and I think a, a second part to that is, is comparison is the thief of joy. Joy belongs to the grateful. If you choose to be grateful and thankful in this life, you choose joy. It really is, is true. In fact, we see here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, when we're grateful for who we are, what we have, who God is, we don't feel the need to compare is when we compare, when we look at what's going on all around us, it's easy to get brought down. I'm telling you, if you want your joy stolen every single morning, I've got the recipe for you. Get up, and the first thing you do before anything else is look at your Facebook feed for a while and just scroll up and down on it. Your joy will be gone because you see so much that, that, that is just negative and so much that's going on in this world. Rather than doing that, and we shared this a few weeks ago when I talked about being in Christ, is, is get into the Word of God. Let that be the, the, the way that you start your day, your first 30 minutes, your first hour, whatever. Even your first 15 minutes. Let the powerful promises and truths of the Word of God come into your life. The Bible says in Philippians, think on these things, whatever is pure and noble and lovely. The Bible says that there are certain things in this world that we can focus on. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our eyes on him and who he is and what he has for our lives and, and, and his plan for our lives and what he's given us, when we focus on what we have rather than what we don't have, joy rises up and we see it evident in our lives. But the second that we start looking, oh, I wish I had that, or I wish, oh man, I wish that things were different in this area, then your joy is stolen because comparison is the thief of joy. I, I, uh, I was thinking about this, about being in the moment. And, and really, the, the, Bible, the Bible really talks about making the most of our opportunities in, in our lives and really focusing on, on the important things. And uh, and I was thinking about, about just the idea, and I know this sounds cliche, but it's so powerful that just being present is really the greatest way to live our lives. Because what happens is when you live in the past, there's all kinds of disappointment, regret. I mean, there's, there can be a number of things that, that really keep you back, right? And it causes you to think that's who you are and that defines your life. It doesn't. It doesn't even exist anymore. When we look at the future and we're focused on the future, then, then what can enter in is fear, anxiety, uncertainty. And certainly that's not the way God wants us to live either. So all we have is the now with God. God, what are you doing now? Who, who, who is in my life now? What are you doing right now in my life? You know, so many times I'm, I'm with my kids and I have to remind myself, I'm watching them play or we're wrestling together, or we're having a dance party at home or whatever the case may be. But when I'm with them, I have to consciously think, like check out from everything else that's going on in your life and be fully present in their lives because they need that. They want that. And I need that. And, and when I do that, when I'm present with them or when I'm present with my wife or when I'm present in a conversation with somebody, that's all there is. And God can, can, can do beautiful things in that time because we're focused on, on what is in front of us. We're focused on what we have and not what we don't have. It's interesting that uh, when I was in college, I was a surfer boy. 
or I thought I was. I went surfing every weekend. I had some friends that, that were in my quad. They were all from Hawaii. And so every Sunday we'd go to church, and then we'd load up the surfboards in the back of the, of the truck, and we'd head down to San Onofre Beach, and we'd surf all day long. And this one thing happened to me this one time that was so interesting. I was out surfing. I was out there pretty far, and I fell, I fell off my board. A wave got me, and I fell off my board. And the, the surfboard went down and then shot up in the air. But if, you, if any of you know about surfing, there's a leash that you wear, and it's, it's around your ankle, and it's kind of like a rubber band. And so this surfboard shot up in the air and then straight back down right on top of my head. And the only thing I could rem- remember in that moment was, I need to get out of the water because I think I'm hurt. And so I got out of the water. I don't remember getting out of the water. I don't remember walking over to my friends. But I do remember not too long after that kind of waking up. And I obviously had a concussion. I didn't know it at the time. But I woke up, and I remember looking around. And I remember the first thought was, wow, that's a beautiful ocean. And then I remember wondering, like, where am I? Who did I come here with? How am I going to get home? Where is home? I remember thinking, like, this, this is just a really beautiful place that we're at. And, and I remember thinking that these people that are, that are around me, they're, they're really great people. And, and, and so the whole time, my friend said I was just acting really strange. But the reality of what was happening was I couldn't remember what, what had happened in the past, like the, the immediate past, and I couldn't, I couldn't think about what was going to happen in the future. So I was literally... In the moment, sitting there saying weird things like, oh, the ocean is so beautiful. This is so great. And they're like, you're being really weird. And I'm like, this is just fantastic. I love being here. And it was just this incredible thing. And in that moment, I realized like, wow, what if I could truly live my life that way? It's not that we forget about the past. It's not, we, we, we always have the past to remind us of things, to, to help us. We have the few, we got to be concerned about the future. We got to be pray, prayerful about the future. But the now is all we really have and to live in that moment. The next thing here is, the first one is joy belongs to the grateful. I hope you wrote that down. The second one is joy is full in his presence. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 16, 11. It says, in your presence, God, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? It's not just talking about being in this room. That's part of it. When we come here, we enter into the presence of God and we worship him. But we also have to understand that his presence goes with us. That where we go, he goes. And when we're aware of his presence, we can know that the fullness of joy is found in the presence of God in relationship with him. We talked about this uh, the last time that I spoke about being in Christ. When we're in Christ, he is in us. And when, and when we are, when we're connected to him, he produces good fruit in our lives. And that's that joy that he raises up inside of us. It's that joy that only he can produce by just being close to him, by being in his presence. You know, I was wondering uh, growing up how we talked about so many people that had so little but seemed to just be joyful. And, and many of you, you've traveled and you've seen what I'm talking about here. It just seems like there's life there. It seems like they're just, there just seems like they enjoy life in, in a way that, that, that maybe others don't. And uh, I think it, it kind of hit me on a trip to Panama some years ago. It really dawned on me that, that they're joyful because they may possess little in worldly possessions, but what they possess is massive. 
And a lot of times when all you have is one thing, then that's really all you focus on. And it really becomes the center of your world. Now, many of us know that, that when we add a lot into our lives, it can make things confusing. It can, it can make things difficult to, it can make our lives difficult to focus on God because there's so much. There's, so, there's, there's schedule, there's stuff, there's so many things around us. And it just hit me on this trip that maybe, maybe these people that have so little in worldly possessions have the only thing that really, really eternally makes a big difference, and that is the presence of God and the joy that comes with that. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you have stuff, that you can't have that. Because you can have everything materially, materialistic in this world. You can have all kinds of stuff, a lot of money, a lot of whatever. And if you have the presence of God in your life, and it has its right place in your life, then there is the fullness of joy. You can also not have anything in this world, material-wise, material and if you don't have the presence of God, then it's the same thing. It's, it's you, you, you either have it or you don't. But here's the important thing, and I want to show you an illustration here. Hopefully this will bring some clarity to what I'm saying. The important thing is, what part does the presence of God, does your relationship with him play in your life? And I think just as important is what part does stuff play? The stuff that you don't take with you. So let's imagine that this is your heart right here. And let's imagine that in his presence, in a relationship with him, there's fullness of joy, okay? So this is joy. It's water, but we're gonna, we're gonna pretend it's joy. All right, so God puts this inside of us. He fills us up. Jesus said in John 16, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be complete. So it's full, it's all the way to the top. And then we have stuff, and I just grabbed some rocks from outside of my house. But um, let's say that this is, this is stuff. This is, this is money, this is cars, houses, whatever, just stuff here in, 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 this, in this world. It may be a career, it may be a job, it, anything having to do with the world that we live in. Well, these things, it's, it's not wrong to have these things. We all have these things. I certainly have, have things in my life. We have, we're blessed to have the house that we live in and the cars that we drive. We're blessed to have the, the job and the career that I get to be a part of. Super blessed to have all of these things. But here's the important thing is they have to stay where they belong. And that is here. They have to know their place. Because the place in your heart really only has room for, for the Holy Spirit for the fullness of God, for his presence in your life. Once you begin to allow things like money and worldly possessions into your heart, then you get to a place where, you, where it begins to take room that was supposed to be God's room. Does that make sense? And so when we accumulate a lot in our hearts, you know, the Bible says that where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart is also there. And so if your heart is full of stuff... And it's like, oh, you know, once it's in your heart, how many of you know once it's in your heart, it's hard to let go of? And when it's out here, it's like, you know what? It's, it's not in here. So do you, do you need this? Here, here, take this. That's a generous life. That's, that's being generous in your life. And, and so you're, 
You're not holding on to it. You own it, but it doesn't own you. Let me tell you something. Once it, once it gets in here, it takes up space in your heart, and, and you no longer own it. It really owns you. It's hard, it's hard to get out of. It's hard to get rid of. And so once it's in there, then what you see is you have a heart full of stuff. But the Bible talks about that in his presence, there's fullness of joy, and that he wants your joy to be full, and he wants it to be complete. Let me just say something. It's very difficult for our lives to have a lot of joy when they also have a lot of stuff taking up room in our hearts. Does that make sense? Now, again, I'm not standing up here on a platform saying, oh, we just give everything away and we don't. No, we have stuff. We do. But my desire for my life, for my family's life, and for all of us is that the stuff is there, but we know it's right place. And the most important thing is that the Holy Spirit, that the fullness of God, that the presence of God is there also, but we know its right place. We know his right place in our lives, and that's number one, and nothing is taking its place. Does that make sense? All right. I hope it does. Any questions, you can ask me afterwards or comments. Um, The third thing, and we'll close with this, is the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is such a good one. The Bible talks about in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, and, and if, you, if you ever get a chance to go read the whole story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls, it's really a fascinating story. But there was a people that just felt dejected, and they just felt down. And Nehemiah comes to them, and he says to them, he says, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We have joy in our lives really as a weapon, it's, it's the strength to live, and it's the strength to love in this world. I, I've, I haven't gone through extremely, extremely difficult things in my life, but I've gone through enough in my life to know that when you're going through it, you have a weapon, and it is the joy of the Lord. That you can say, enemy, you might try to, to defeat me with this, but I've got the joy of the Lord, the joy of my salvation, and that can't be taken away from me. Because it's good and it's from God and the enemy has to sit on attack, right? That's right. I'm just making sure you're awake there. But, but we have the strength to live our lives and the joy of the Lord is that, is that incredible, incredible gift that God gives each one of us. It's always there and it's always available. And it gives us the strength to love too. Um, I, I, we had a staff uh, a staff meeting one time, we were all going around and kind of giving pictures to each other. And there was one person in the room who I just felt like the picture for them, I was the one to, to was supposed to just kind of give them a picture and a word from God. And the picture that I got was she was holding this big sword and the sword was joy. And that, that she had just an incredible ability of just hitting people with it and it would make a difference. Like when, when the joy of the Lord hits somebody, it's really a great thing. And I'm telling you that one of the greatest weapons we have, one of the greatest tools we have in this world, in people's lives, is not to tell them how much we know and how right we are. It's to, it's to give them the joy of the Lord. Hit them with the sword that is the weapon of the joy of the Lord and then see what God can do. It opens so many doors. The joy of the Lord is an incredible gift and tool in people's lives. And I encourage every one of you to, to use it in people's lives. You know, we share things like, I have a friend who, who uh, ever since I've known him, I've known him now for about six years, every time we go out for, out for a meal, 
Before we pray, he asks the server that is, that is waiting on our table and serving us, saying, and he always does the same thing. He says, hey, we're about to pray for our food and, and just bless this food. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Like, we just want, we just want you to know we're thinking about you, and, and we just want to pray for you. And, and it's interesting because about 80% of the time, no joke, 70%, 80% of the time, whoever it is, the server, whether it's a guy or a girl, gets tears in their eyes. It's like they see something different. And, and, and that's what we are to be. We're to be different. We're, we're to carry these swords of joy around and say, listen, this person who's serving us today, maybe they're going through a difficult time. Can we pray for you? Boom. And they just like start to, to weep because they're moved by it. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful and an active thing. So let me close with this. We have four things there on your, on your sheet that uh, we want to be as a church. And I just want to say this before we, before we read through those, is that we, we each choose whether we want joy on a daily basis because we get to choose what we're going to focus on. So every day we get to wake up and we get to say, God, I choose you. I choose everything you have for me this day. I choose not to focus on the negative. I choose not to, it's not that it's not there. I'm giving that to you, but I choose not to focus and dwell on the things in my life that are negative, the things from my past, the fear of the future. I choose to live in the moment with you, God, and with what you've given me and with the people that you've put in my life. And when we do that, we get to choose joy. So what we want to be as a church is we want to be a church that is, number one, always looking for fun in life. Uh, there was, we, we were driving back from California one semester and, uh, and something happened with my car and there was three of us sitting in the front, in the front car, in the front of the seat is a bench seat. We called it the heavy Chevy. And in this bench seat was myself and my friend and my other friend. And so we pull into this mechanic and cause we, it was this tra- crazy noise and it was smoking. We pull into the mechanic. Well, we, we drive in and we get out and my friend Tim stays sleeping in the car And so we're super bummed, and we just let him sleep. We're like, oh, this is going to cost a lot of money. This is terrible. How are we going to get home? Um, But then we just kind of got a kick out of Tim sleeping in the car. Like, they raised the car up, and they're working on it, and he's sleeping in there. And we're just thinking this is the funniest, greatest thing in the world. And so we're getting a lot of joy out of this. And then they bring the car back down, and he says, yeah, it's fixed. And my friend Tim is still sleeping in the car. And so this big bearded man comes walking over. He's like, hey, I got a ticket for a test drive here. Uh, your friend's sleeping. You want to wake him up? And we're like, no, we don't. We absolutely do not. We would absolutely love for him to wake up on the test drive, which he did. One of the highlights of my life. So he wakes up, and here's this big bearded man in a stained shirt driving the car and he looks and he just kind of kind of kind of looks over and kind of looks around and then freaks and I think probably peed his pants a little bit but his his worst day was really my friend Andy and I's best day so so we we got that always looking for the fun in life laughing loud and laughing often is such an important thing we want to be a church that laughs a lot again we're not 
we're not ignoring that there's bad stuff. We're not ignoring there's difficult stuff. But we do want to, laughter is the best medicine. It's a great medicine. Everybody should laugh a lot. Like I told you that story about my friend Tim because I wanted you to laugh. It actually releases things in your body that's good for you. So let's just all laugh together. <laughs> no, okay. I don't know. Never mind. Sometimes I do a fake laugh that makes people laugh. I could do that. But anyways, all right. The next thing is celebrating the little things. So in our house, we have a little a two-year-old. He's turning three, but we just went through the process, process of potty training, right? And, and uh, so we celebrated every single time he went potty in the big pot. Every single time they, there was a, a success. Now, parents, you know what I'm talking about here. All the rest of the four of us in the family, we would go crazy and celebrate because we wanted him to know how awesome of an accomplishment he went. So as soon as he was done pottying, we would all go crazy and we'd start dancing potty. How was it? Pee pee in the potty. Pee pee in the potty. And we just get so excited. And there's Griffin looking at us like, yes, I'm a superhero. I let a turd land right in the big potty. I am awesome. And we wanted him to think that because the next time he's thinking about peeing in his pants or doing the other thing, which I guess I already said, so I don't know why I said other thing, but the turd thing, you know, the next time he's going to remember, they celebrate me when I go pee-pee in the potty or poo-poo in the potty. This is awesome. Listen, in life, we need to celebrate more. When, when someone comes to know Jesus for the first time in this room, oh my gosh, we should be emailing and texting. That should be our Facebook status every single time rather than whatever you're eating for lunch. Come on. Like we need to celebrate the incredible. Now, what you're eating for lunch is worth celebrating too. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love seeing what you all eat for lunch. Um, celebrating, celebrating the little things. Like, this is great because no one's going to post what they're eating for lunch today. To be like, oh, I usually do this. It's kind of my thing, but maybe I'll take a break from it today. (laughs) And the last thing is learning to live freely and lightly. Uh, In in Matthew 25, uh, the passage where, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy burden, I will give you rest. For my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Uh, the, the, the message paraphrase of that is so beautiful. It says, it says, I will, where it says, I will give you rest. It says, I will learn, I will teach you how to live freely and lightly. Isn't that a great way to think about this? I want to, I want to know what that looks like. I want the rest that Jesus came to give me. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And, and I want to live the life that Jesus came to, came to give me. I think sometimes we don't think we deserve it or we think, oh, you know what? I guess I'm just, these are the... This is the hand that I've been dealt in life. And certainly, we all have different hands that we've been dealt in life. But the one thing that brings us all together, that we all have in common, that is that Jesus Christ died for every single one of us so that you might have life and life abundant and that your joy may be full. It's straight from the word of God. I can't make this stuff up. Jesus made this up. And he wants us to carry that on. So let's have the worship band come back up. And I want to end with... One quick story. When I was growing up, I remember, uh, I remember a Christmas where my parents told us that, that we don't have any money this year. Times are really, really difficult. So we're not going to have a Christmas this year. And uh, I remember my brother and I were just kind of like, 
okay, well, this, that's, that's no fun, but we understand. <laughs> like, we're here in Chile, and we understand that, 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 st- that times are difficult. And so we kind of had, you know, we, it wasn't like a new thing for us. It wasn't like we, you know, my kids, if I were to tell my kids that there was no Christmas, like, they would seriously revolt. Like, they would turn against us as parents. But because, because we grew up in kind of a different culture, we were just, you know, okay, well, I, I, guess, I guess no Christmas this year. Well, I don't know the exact details of the story, but I do, know, I do know these things. We went to the post office one day. This was before Christmas. And when we got there, inside of the mailbox, my parents pulled out um, money, which would be enough for us to have a Christmas. And it was like this huge blessing for our family. And so we were super excited. Well, as we're leaving, my parents share with us that they felt like God was speaking to them, that we were supposed to give that money away to this pastor family that was close by that didn't just didn't have much and they just felt like they heard from God and uh and and my brother and I are sitting in the back seat and we're like yeah can we vote on this like maybe you know family thing right we hear from God too we're hearing no but um I don't know like that's just what we're hearing I mean Bible says become like little children that's us so I don't know but but anyways so we did it. We went and we, we took the, the money to this family. And, and I, can, I can honestly say just so many different stories like this growing up. Like the greatest Christmas gift that I, that I, could, that I could get at, at that age, and I don't know if I remember this exactly, like this exactly what was in my mind, but I remember just like being so moved when I got to see things like that. You go somewhere where they have nothing. You give them a gift that changed their entire world. It's like, yeah, I'll give that up. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll give that up. And like the joy that came out of that, it's just incredible. Now, the cool part of this, this story, the ending of this story is we went back to the post office a few days later or sometime during there, but still before Christmas. And uh, they opened it up and just uh, really kind of miraculously, they pulled out uh, another envelope. And in there, someone had sent us even more money that w- than was what was there before. So we got a Christmas. <laughs> but the joy really came more then even the Christmas that we got and the gifts that we got and, and the being grateful for what we had and being grateful and being able to give to others. I'll tell you something. One of the greatest things we can do to, to see joy just remain constant in our lives is to give away. Because when you give, it shows you're grateful. It shows that this isn't mine. I want to I, I be generous with what I have. And hopefully this sets up Pastor Ryan good next week when he talks about generosity. But let me tell you something giving brings joy. What does the Bible say? It's greater to give than it is to receive. There's something Jesus knew about that, that when we give, it's like something's activated inside of us. And I, and I, I think about the different times just growing up and in my life where I've received something, and then it's like two weeks later, like, oh, well, I wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. But when you give something, it's like 10 years later, 20 years later, you're like, oh, man, like that was not because I'm so cool or I did something great, but just the, the, the act of it and what happens and what happens eternally. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. God, we thank you that you give us joy and you give it to us so freely. God, we thank you that we don't, we don't deserve it, but you choose to give it to us. You're a father. You're a good, good father. You love us. You care so deeply. You know us better than we know ourselves, God. Father, let us remember that we can choose to be grateful. We can choose to 
focus on the things of you, on your goodness. We can put our trust in you and know that you are trustworthy. We know, Father, that in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that in this world we have troubles, we have trials, we have tribulation, we have difficulties, but Father, the one thing that never leaves us is your presence and in your presence, the fullness of joy. Father, we love you today. We thank you. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. I pray for anyone that's here today that's going through something really difficult. God, we certainly don't want to downplay or minimize the reality that is each one of the things that we go through. But Lord, put each thing into perspective Lord, that as I've heard said, don't tell God how big our problems are, but tell your problems how big God is. That we would always focus on how, how, how much bigger you are than anything we ever walk through and how you are there every step of the way with us, God. Pray for every person right now, Lord. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your presence, with your, your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.